Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Thank you, Al. Thank you guys so much. I'd like to release the Kingdom Kids to go back at this time. And uh, as we prepare for this, this week, uh, let's, let's be sober-minded about what Jesus has done. And, uh, and, and just take some time. Um, I know many of us have seen The Passion of the Christ. That's always a good movie to kind of watch and prepare our hearts for this season. Uh, Palm Sunday represents a very significant event leading up to the illegal trial and, of course, the crucifixion and the resurrection three days later of Christ. And next Sunday, we'll be celebrating the resurrection of Christ at the Chemo Boardwalk, and I know all of you know about that. But I hope that you'll join us, and I hope that you'll be in prayer uh, for this service as we will have the opportunity to, to engage with the Lord and also reflect on what he's done, and then also share the hope and the good message of Christ with our community. So hopefully you'll join us for that. So as Al mentioned, today is Palm Sunday. It's a significant event. Uh, it's one of the, the few uh, events that are in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this event was prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Now, we know that the Jews were expecting the Messiah to come. And uh, the prophets had written that the Messiah, the King, the Savior would be coming. And so especially the, the uh, religious leaders, they should have known, they should have been expecting, they should have been reading the signs of what had been prophesied hundreds of years before. In fact, 700 years before Christ was born, Isaiah writes prophetically of Jesus, talking about the coming Messiah, the Savior. And in Isaiah 53, we're not going to go there, but uh, Isaiah is accurately recording and writes that Jesus would die for our sins so that many would be made righteous. And Al talked about that a little bit this morning already, that we're made righteous by the blood of Christ. It's not by anything that we can do. But I want to look at Isaiah 62, Isaiah 62, 11. Again, Isaiah was prophesying about the Lord coming, about Jesus coming. And he said, the Lord has sent this message to every land. Tell the people of Israel, look, your Savior is coming. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. And I was thinking about the scripture. I was thinking, what, what is the reward that he, that he brought? Well, it's eternal salvation. It's liberty and freedom that we can live this victorious life, that we don't have to live in sin, that we can be forgiven. Not only that we have eternity, that we'll spend eternity with Christ for those who've accepted his gift, his free gift, but that we could live in victory, that we could not walk in the things that, that we have been walking in. in. In other words, sin and the results of sin. James said, says that when sin comes to fruition, it leads to death. That could be physical death. It could be spiritual death, for sure. And so Jesus came to set us free. The Jews were expecting the Messiah to come. But remember, during this time, they were oppressed, heavily oppressed by the Romans. And so they were naturally thinking at that time, as we would be probably as well, that they're looking for an earthly king to deliver them from this oppression of the Roman government. 
But they weren't expecting Jesus to come as a humble servant. Those coming not for an earthly kingdom, but to establish a heavenly kingdom. And was coming to die for their sins and all of our sins. And even 500 years before Jesus is born, Zechariah gives a prophecy. And he's writing to the Jews that had just been freed from Babylonian captivity. And he's encouraging them to avoid the hypocrisy that they have engaged in. And to turn from sin and turn back to God. Remember last week I talked about we've been given this message to proclaim. Return to God. We are speaking for God when we're saying return to God. Return to Him. And so 2,500 years ago, Zechariah was saying the same thing to the people that had just been delivered from bondage from the Babylonians. And he's saying, put away your hypocrisy. Turn from your sin. Live holy, pure lives. And he also gave them a charge and encouraged them to, to, to rebuild the temple and the nation of Israel. And, and so the, the things that Isaiah was saying 2,700 years ago, the things that Zechariah was saying 2,500 years ago are relevant to us today. Do we see a culture? Do we see a nation? Do we see a world? Do we even see it in the church where we need to turn from our hypocrisy? We need to turn from our sin. We need to turn back to God. We need to live pure and holy lives. And I'm, hear me, I'm not talking about performing. I'm talking about this transformance that happens when we yield our hearts and lives to God. I believe that there is a sense of urgency today. Look at what's happening in the world around us. Look at what's happening in this nation. It's unbelievable to see some of the, the things that are happening and that's being embraced. Ungodliness. But the Bible talks about these things. It says in the end days, these things are going to happen. People are going to turn away from God. They'll call good evil and evil good. And I remember a time when I thought, how is that even possible? But we're seeing that today. Zechariah 9.9 Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. And so this is relevant for us today. We know that the Lord is coming. We could be living in the end times. Who knows? We don't know when He's returning, but He is coming back. And so are we rejoicing in Him? Are we shouting in triumph, not just for His return, but that we can live in victory today because of what He's done for us? He's not moved by circumstances and culture. He's moved by people that are willing to yield to him and obedient to him and saying, Lord, you are truly the Lord of my life. You're not just something that I say. You are, you are who I live for. And I want you to, to work in my life and bring health and healing and wholeness to me in the areas that I need help in. And that you will give me a love for other people like you have for them that I will care about what happens to them. And then I'll share the hope and the love of Christ. That I'll be an example. That I'll put aside the hypocrisy and the sin in my life. I'll turn away from those things with your help. 
Zechariah 9.9 continues, He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And I think part of the reason that the religious leaders really missed Jesus when he came is because he threatened their society of who they were and their role and their position. My first point this morning is most likely the people never expected the Messiah to be riding on a donkey. It's interesting that a donkey is called a beast of burden. And the one who was about to take on all the burdens of the entire world were riding on a beast of burden. As Jesus, in a few days, would be taking on all of the sins of the world, all the people there that lived in for us. I was thinking about the life of a beast of burden. And I was thinking like an ox is a beast of burden. Think about an ox. What is their role? They, they get loaded up with stuff to carry stuff. They get hooked up to a plow to plow the, the soil. They get hooked up to carts to carry carts. They're beasts of burden. They work. That's their role. That's what they were created to do. Think about a donkey. Can you imagine carrying somebody around on your back? <laughs> Being loaded up with a bunch of wood or supplies. Having to trek down maybe steep inclines. Loaded up with all kinds of supplies to deliver them. That's, that's what a donkey was designed for. A beast of burden. But we, the Bible refers to us as sheep. We're not designed to carry loads like that. And I don't know a whole lot about sheep, but from what I do know, they're not the brightest animals in the field. But they have a shepherd to guide them and lead them and take care of them. And from what I understand, if you have several herds of sheep with several different shepherds, the sheep know their shepherd's voice. So they're not going to respond to another shepherd. They're going to respond to their shepherd. So do we know the shepherd's voice? Are we responding to the shepherd? Think about a sheep. Think about their life. They're out in the field. They're grazing. And... Uh, you know, maybe when we were in Israel, there were a number of caves there. I can imagine that in the heat of the day, the shepherd calls the sheep into the caves in the, where it's cooler, out of the sun, out of the heat. The shepherd knows where the, the, the good fields are, knows where the water is. And I was thinking about the life of a sheep versus an ox or a donkey. And I had this kind of whole story set up. But I think I'll dispense with that today. <laughs> but I, I, I can imagine if there was a conversation between the sheep, the donkey, and the oxen, the, the, the oxen and the donkey would be going, man, you, you've got it made. What, you just eat grass all day and maybe go hang out in the cool cave, and then once a year you get sheared. That's a pretty sweet, pretty sweet gig. How did you end up with that? And I could imagine that the sheep would say something like, well, I don't know what you've done, but you must have been pretty bad. 
Yeah, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I, I know you guys love me, so I know I could try that anyway. But maybe, you, maybe this will help you remember the point that I'm really trying to make, is that we were not designed to carry or live lives burdened with guilt and shame and sin. We're like sheep, and, and we need the shepherd And the shepherd leads us to the good pastures. He leads us to the fresh water. He leads us to the cool cave in the heat of the day. He sets us free. We were designed to be more like sheep than oxen or donkeys. Jesus took all of our burdens and sin from us on the cross. So my first point is most likely the people never expected the Messiah to be riding on a donkey My second point this morning is, through Christ, we should be burden-free. We should not be carrying the burdens. And I know that we all have challenges, and we all have issues and things that we have to deal with. And we have the opportunity to give those to the Lord. But are we giving those to the Lord? Are we saying, Lord, I give you this burden, uh, but now I'm going to take it back. Now I give it to you. I'll take it back, give it to you, take it back, give it to you, take it back. What are we doing? Are we releasing those things? And I'm preaching to me now, okay? (laughs) But are we letting those things go and saying, Lord, you are more than able. And help me, help me in my unbelief. Help me in trusting you to release these things to you, knowing that you are for us, not against us. And it doesn't matter what, the circumstances say, it doesn't matter what the doctor says, it doesn't matter what my boss says, you are for me, not against me. And the word says in Proverbs, the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord, and he turns it as he desires. I was talking with Becky before service, and she was talking about some situations where they've seen the Lord move in their life. And I know many of you have testimonies and stories where we've seen God do supernatural things. We've seen him do things that there's no way that it could have happened without the Lord. Last year, Pastor Christine taught on Palm Sunday, and she talked about a king riding on a donkey represented peace and humility. Now, we would think that uh, the king that we would want would come riding in on a, a steed and a beautiful horse and most likely represent authority and dominion and power and be impressive. But yet Jesus rode on a donkey, on a donkey's colt. So from a worldly standpoint, that would not be very impressive. We would probably want a a king on a horse or in a chariot with a sword. And Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey Let's go back to Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble. Riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Now this all happened about five days before Passover. And if you remember what Passover was, it was a celebration where all of Israel would gather together every year to celebrate the Passover when uh, the angel of death came and, and killed all the firstborn in Egypt except 
for those that had the blood over their doorframe. And so the Lord had spoken to, to Moses and Joshua and said, hey, have everybody sacrifice a lamb and put blood over their doorposts and the angel of death will pass over. And so every year, even now, today, 2,000 years later, well, more than 2,000 years later, the Jews still celebrate Passover, remembering what God did, how he passed over them. Uh, John 12, 12 through 19, the, the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city, a large crowd of Passover visitors, and I want to stop here. So keep in mind, they're having this celebration, this Passover celebration. There are Jews coming from all over the land to celebrate Passover. Verse 13 continues. Well, let me start at the end of 12. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. Okay, so they're honoring him and they're excited. They're hearing these stories. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hell to the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, in verse 15, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. And it says here in John, he goes on to write in verse 16, that his disciples didn't understand at that time that this was all a, a film, that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. Verse 16 continues, but after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. So the disciples were seeing prophecy fulfilled, yet they didn't fully understand until after Jesus died and was resurrected. How many times did Jesus say, hey, I'm going to die? And they didn't, they didn't really get it. And he said, on the third day, I'll be raised up again. But when they saw those things, I think they begin to connect the dots. They be, some things begin to fall into place. Because they had the Old Testament prophets that had prophesied these things. And they were living in a day where it was happening right before their very eyes. And maybe it was like, you can't see the forest for the trees. Maybe it was so real and so close to them that they couldn't really digest or understand what was really happening. And I wonder if we're living in the same type of scenario today. These things are happening all around us. We're seeing prophecy pro fulfilled before our very eyes. And do we just not see it? More importantly, have, are we yielding to the Lord and are we saying, Lord, show me what's going on. Show me what's happening in my heart that I may respond appropriately and according to your purpose and your plan for my life and your heart. God, there's things that you want to do through my life. So am, I miss, am I seeing and seizing the opportunities before me or am I asleep? Lord, awaken me spiritually to know what you want. And so the disciples eventually understood the things that Jesus had been telling them. And we should be sensitive in understanding what Jesus said then and what he's telling us today. 
John 12, 17. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. So there were eyewitnesses there that were saying, hey, uh, l- let me tell you about this situation that happened. And I read, I read some information. I'm not sure how true it is, but it, it said that there was uh, some beliefs in the Jewish culture that, that a person could be raised to, back to life after uh, up to three days. But after that, it would be miraculous. Well, Jesus raised Lazarus on the fourth day. So if, they, if, if people had that mentality, then they had to say, well, this is a miraculous event that happened. Because that would be only by God that this could happen. So nonetheless, there were these people that had seen and experienced Lazarus dying and being raised from the dead. And so all these people are coming to Jerusalem for Passover. And so these stories are being told and shared. Hey, wait, I was there, or I heard, I heard about it. My sister-in-law was there, and she saw it. So it was a powerful time where these people were coming together, and so many were looking for Jesus. Oh, I want to see him. Maybe I, I get a chance to talk to him. Verse 18, that was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Verse 19, then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone's gone after him. They were trying to control the situation, but it was out of their control. They couldn't do anything. The people were excited to see Jesus. They're proclaiming Hosea, Hosanna to God in in the highest, Hosanna to God in the highest. And the Pharisees are going, look, it's out of control, man. We can't do anything. Maybe we can kill him. So my first point is most likely the people never expected the Messiah to be riding on a donkey. They were looking for an earthly king, someone to deliver them from this oppressive government, Roman government, the abuses, the taxation, all the things that they were putting up with. My second point is through Christ, we should be burden-free. Listen, if you have burdens today, take them to him. Take them to the Lord and say, Lord, take this stuff off of me. I'm not an ox. I'm not a jackass. (laughs) Let's move on. Uh, I'm a sheep. I'm not supposed to be carrying this stuff. I'm supposed to just be out there grazing, chilling, having some good grass, eating some good grass, not smoking it, okay? I mean, think about how God designed us that he would take on the burden. But have we made him the shepherd? Have we let him be the shepherd? Or are we trying to be the shepherd? Luke 19, 28 through 40, after telling the story, well, Jesus tells the story about stewardship and faithfulness, and then he says this. After telling the story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Now, I I don't have much experience with donkeys, but I have a little bit of experience with horses. 
And I don't think, I've never seen anybody just get on a horse that's never been ridden and ride the thing. I mean, the horse is going to rebel. It's going <laughs> to throw you off. And so Jesus is saying, okay, go and get this donkey's colt that's never been ridden and bring him to me. He says in, in verse 30, continues, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. I think there's another lesson here. When the Lord is speaking to us, when the Lord gives us a message to share, just say what he told us to say. Because how many times do we want to expand or embellish that? Where the, when the Lord is speaking, he's speaking for a specific purpose. And he says, just say the Lord needs it. Now, how many of us would say, well, you know, uh, Jesus is over here and, and uh, he, he's, no? What did he say? The Lord needs it. So some of us need to learn to obey what the Lord says. When he says something, just do it. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Uh, verse 32. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked him, Why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, The Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, for him to ride on. So again, you know, this is a donkey that may have had blankets on it before, maybe not. So they're throwing garments on it for Jesus to ride. And then Jesus rides, it says in verse 36, as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. Okay, so now this, this colt has somebody riding on its back, and now people are throwing things in front of it. That would be maybe enough. If, if having somebody on, their back, on its back wasn't enough, now throwing things in front of it might be enough to spook them. Uh, a spooked horse will generally rear up. You've seen that on TV, right? Um, but a spooked, a spooked donkey may freeze and not move. So many times donkeys get a bad rap because they say they're stubborn. But it could be that they're confused or they don't understand what's going on. They're like, I'm not going there because I don't know what's happening. And you've seen or you've heard where you can try to pull on a donkey and get them to move and they don't want to move. Well, there's probably a reason there. They're spooked and they don't know what's going on. And then imagine that this donkey has never been ridden on. Garments are being put on its back. Garments are being thrown in front of it. Uh, not just garments, but palm fronds. So Luke 19.37 reads, goes on uh, to say that when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives. Now, when we were in Israel a few weeks back, we went down this road. It was kind of walled off, and it was asphalt uh, driveway, or road, really. And so our, our uh, tour guide was telling us that this was probably the place where Jesus went down, what's being talked about here to the Mount of Olives. Now, he said it wasn't right here. Obviously, uh, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have asphalt. So where he walked was probably 10 or 15 feet below where you're actually walking. But anyway, we're walking down this, uh, this path, and it's going down. So it says, when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for the, all the wonderful miracles they had seen. And so we were in that area. We're up above looking down on the city of Jerusalem. And we want to put together a, a trip for those of us from this church that would like to go 
maybe next year hopefully, where we can go to Israel and experience some of these things because it really ties stuff together. And when you go there and you can see different things and you see the Temple Mount and you see Jerusalem and you see the, the Western Wall and you see the Eastern Gate and you, you, you go to the Dead Sea and you see the Jordan River and you go to Masada and all these places, it really begins to tie the Scriptures back together where you have a visual and uh, it, it just helps. But anyway, so we walked in maybe the same area where Jesus had walked down to the Mount of Olives, where, where his followers were shouting and praising and thanking God, giving him glory. So most likely the people never expected the Messiah to be riding on a donkey. And through Christ, we should be burden-free. My third point is, are we praising the Lord for all he has done for us? Luke 19, 38, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And Jesus replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Jesus was intentional about reaching those who had no relationship with the Lord or had compromised relationships. And it says here, when he was going down, if the people wouldn't have shouted and given praise, the rocks would have cried out. I'm not going to let a rock beat me in my praise and worship. <laughs> As this country, and not only this country, but as, this, as we see the de deterioration in this country and in the world, I'm sensing some urgency in my own life. I'm sensing some urgency for us as a family. I'm sensing some urgency for the people in our communities that, that don't know the Lord. Maybe have religion. But do they have a relationship? The, word, uh, the Lord has been very clear in His Word, and He's been very gracious to us in giving us instruction and, and prophetic utterances and words. For three or four years, we've gotten specific words, and we've seen those come to pass. 2019, we're in a reset. Little did we know the, the dynamics and the, the outcome of this reset. And then the next year, in 2020, the world as we know it will soon come to an end. Two weeks before George Floyd. And then the next year, in, in 2021, prepare. That was a, a word that the Lord was speaking to me, but it was for us as well. Prepare. And then last year, are you prepared for my return? I'm returning soon. So the first two words were informative. And the last two words were instructive. And I'm not sure what this last word or the word from 22 means. Are you prepared for my return? I know what that means. 
It means I need to evaluate my relationship with him. And then the second part of that is I'm returning soon. I believe that, uh, that God wants to pour out a revival. And that could be what he's talking about, or it could be his second coming, or it could be both. But are we ready? Are we prepared? Are we prepared to train and equip and lead others into a relationship with the Lord? Are we trained and prepared and equipped to lead other believers to more spiritual maturity? And I'm not talking about a process where, where they grow other than in their relationship with Him and with one another. I think the Lord, no, I know the Lord is looking for people that are serious about their relationship with Him. And again, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about this personal, intimate relationship with Him. Because I believe time is short. Certainly our, our day is one, one day shorter than it was yesterday, regardless. And, and so are we, are we seeing and seizing the opportunities that are before us? And yielding to the Lord and saying, Lord, continue to, to work in my heart and in my life. Help me to love others like you love them. Help me to, to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit and reaching out to others. Help me to, to say what, what you're saying. Help me to say what you're telling me to say. Help me to do what I see you doing. Are we, are we firmly committed to the Lord? Because regardless of what happens at other churches or in our community, we're all going to stand before the Lord one day. And the words that we want to hear Him say are, well, good and done. Well, well done, that good and faithful servant. Enter in. Because we have done what the Lord has asked of us. And last week I talked about God's given us a task to go out and reach Go and, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them what the Word teaches us. So during the next week, let's take time to reflect on our relationship with the Lord and say, Lord, I, I don't want to play church anymore. I don't want to play I want to be serious about what you call me to. I want to see my family saved. I want to see my neighbors saved. I want to see my coworkers saved. I want to see everyone within my sphere of influence walking with you, Lord, in a real way. So, certainly the religious leaders and probably most people never expected to see the Messiah, the Savior, riding on a donkey. God doesn't always do things that fit our logic and our reasoning. <laughs> He's far beyond that. And so many times God will do something, the Lord will do something that's different than what we perceive He's going to do. Because He's God. And we're not. And through Christ, we should be burden-free. Again, if you've got burdens, release those to the Lord. Don't pick them back up and drag them around. 
And then are we praising the Lord for all He's done for us? Let's take some time this week to just reflect on what the Lord has done and just praise and worship Him and thank Him.